take a good look, Razor Ramon, and nature boy Ric Flair, for what you see across the back of this macho man, and across the face of this one, the ultimate warrior, is the bondage of the ultimate maniacs. No sleep, no food, no nothing, just maniacism. As a skeleton, we still walk as ultimate maniacs. Therefore, what are you going to do? Bury us now? <laughs> Gets to a point where it really doesn't matter. You guys don't really know us like you think that you do. Riding on the edge of a lightning bolt, yeah, we are. We are the ultimate maniacs, and we are ultimate survivors. We're not planning a hit. Welcome to the big time, because we're already here, and we ain't going nowhere. Do you dig what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. Come there bring it to us, and we'll bring you home tonight. Damn. Dig it. Macho man under the microscope, so quick to point out to people all around the world that I was no longer the World Wrestling Federation champion, that I had lost the goal. That way, weren't you? For just one split second in time, let's put your buddy, your tag team partner for the Survivor Series under the microscope. He no longer has the World Wrestling Federation championship belt, does he? Doesn't have the gold now, does he either? Yeah, Razor Ramon. But you know what the difference is between you guys and us guys is? I'll tell you what the difference is. The ultimate warrior and the macho man, we are survivors, yeah. In fact, in fact, we've been surviving all of our lives, yeah. In fact, you can ride a black tornado across the western sky. Open old blue northern and milk it till it's dry. Bulldog the Mississippi and pin its ears down flat long before you beat all of us ultimate maniacs. Oh yeah. And on Thanksgiving Eve, the ultimate maniacs will be the ultimate survivors. Yeah. Ultimate warrior. You know much of me. Nature Boy Ric Flair and his partner Razor Ramon have designated us the ultimate losers. Is it right? Can it be, Macho Man, that the millions and millions of ultimate maniacs that are going to watch Survivor Series could be wrong? Ooh, wee! I believe in no such thing either. And at SummerSlam, it's sacrificing yourself. The friendship and trust that has now created the bond of all the ultimate maniacs is inseparable. I say to you, Nature Boy Ric Flair, through the visions of these classes the Macho Man has given me, if you have the true nature that you say you do, then take your compadre Razor Ramon to the woods of your world. Let him slice up in your heart, then his. For through these glasses I see there shall be no bloodshed. For from black hearts, 
no blood can flow, therefore no bond can be formed. And at Survivor Series, there will be another vision that shall take place. Your ultimate destiny is ultimate defeat. Ooh, Welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode 105, the special double-header edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are, the middle of January. Not a lot has changed in the world. The government still closed. Uh, The rain still pouring here in our fair city. The temperatures are dropping, but... We get cold rain, no snow around here, and uh, also that means people can't drive. You risked your life to come in here today to talk about Saturday night's main event from 1992 plus Survivor Series 1992, as you alerted me that Saturday night's main event was only 45 minutes on the network. So, And it's hard to pull off a, a two, uh, two and a half or three hour radio show on it. That tends to be about as long as we go, yeah. usually, and so, then, yeah. Then you cut it down, but, yeah. I cut it down some, but even then, it's still, it always tops two hours. If I can get it under two hours, I'm always amazed, but yeah. uh, I leave a lot of stuff in. So what is happening? It's been a big week in the world of pro wrestling. You are not lying. Well, on Raw, they featured a very odd segment where Alexa Bliss was in her dressing room, and she was getting ready to go out for a moment of bliss her new talk show segment where she unveiled the women's tag team championship belts which i did like the design of the championship belts by the way they they did a good job i hate the men's tag belts i think they are some of the ugliest belts yeah the company's ever done but the women's belts look okay is and, it better than just a w because i haven't seen them oh yet. yeah yeah it looks like almost sort of like a ninja star in a oh, way that's cool. it's not as sharp as a ninja star, it looks almost like a cog and like a wheel, okay. like a spacely sprocket kind of design. But okay. it's it appears that they're only going with one set of belts, so it looks like that tag belt will travel between shows. When Fox gets SmackDown, I'm not sure that that's if Fox is okay with that. I guess they are because why would they only unveil one set right now? 
until just maybe, split them up until maybe the first thing of Fox, and right? And they they're like, hey, we're gonna have a competition to kick it right out of the gate and do like a tournament or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so anyway, prior to that segment, which was a very awkward segment though, introducing these belts. Okay, so the moment of bliss before we get to the the most talked about segment. But the Moment of Bliss segment where she's supposed to put over these tag belts hardcore. So instead of bringing out other women's wrestlers, for some reason she brings out Paul Heyman. He is not really interested in the women's tag team belts. And then a new wrestler, Otis, shows up and just blabbers into the camera and then wanders off. And that's the segment. It was a very strange introduction of these tag belts. But they got it done. So it's done. But... The most talked about and the most clicked segment happened previous to that because for a second it felt like we were back in 1999 and so we go to the dressing room and there's a PA bringing in uh, the cappuccino or whatever drink, the latte that Alexa Bliss had ordered and he knocks on the door and he knocks on the door and then he opens the door even though she didn't say come on in it's fine so this pa with the latte in his hand walks in on alexa bliss who has a t-shirt covering up her chest but she has a a bare back patrick it was very risque now uh we're getting we're getting there we're getting there uh no i and and see and i told you but did I not say it last week that they had to... It doesn't no, have you to be, wanted it back and you got it, it so doesn't congrats. Have, exactly. It doesn't have to be completely wide open, but just a hair, a smidgen of it to make people interested and just not more than the competition. The competition total, don't get me wrong, is, is the most important part, but you have these beautiful ladies. If they can kick ass and take names, that's great. If they can do more and use their sex appeal in the process of doing that... That's even better. Those are your comments, not mine. So direct all the hate at Patrick for his comments. I mean, there, but I don't think that I'm. I really don't believe that I'm wrong in this. The abilities that these women are, can do is far beyond what it was back in the day, and so they're already transcending that. And to keep a little bit of something from back in the day, which is that right or wrong. I mean, you can't deny that. That is what that mostly was back in the day. Not even that far back in the day, only six or seven years ago. It was still so this kind of stuff. If you keep it and I'm saying not, well, not wide open like it was, but just a hint of it here and there, you're, you're giving a nod to what these women paved their paved the way for back in the day so that you can also have what you have now today. Well, I thought the segment didn't really go with the Alexa Bliss character because while she is, and believe me, my Twitter feed is full of people who are obsessed with how Alexa Bliss looks and they take slow-mo videos and it's cringeworthy sometimes because I'm... Twitter, that's the one thing about Twitter that I'm, I'm still upset about. They still haven't figured out how to moderate the content settings as far as... When you're scrolling, who knows what the hell's gonna pop up in your in your feed? So if you're at work, uh, yeah, it can look like you're being a perv when yeah. you're not. When you're just friends with somebody or it's Twitter good, friends, it's a good idea just to not click on Twitter at work. Period. What's weird is sometimes they will flag stuff and they will say, "Well, this might be sensitive content," but then they don't. Sometimes it's very random what gets flagged and what doesn't. Right or wrong, if it says it's sensitive content content 
do you click it just to see because you're curious at that point in time? Well, sometimes the description, see, it allows you, on Twitter, it allows you to see the context and then it tells you, okay, down here, the tweet will, you know, read whatever the caption is yeah. and then it will say, to, cl- to see the image, click here, it might contain sensitive content. And sometimes, from the description, I know that it's nothing risque. Yeah. So... Unless they're going to totally trick me, unless it's a guy just carpet bombing me with, you know, porn or something where it's like, oh, the revival capture the tag belts or something. And for some reason it gets flagged and but I click it because I trust that I'll look at the source before I click it. But sometimes I do. So, yes, while Alexa Bliss is an attractive woman and has tons of fans and is known for that, her character has never been a sexualized characters. She's never been an Eva Marie. She's always been... Or uh, Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose... Well, I, Mandy Rose has been a sexualized character. Well, that's what I'm saying. That I think that segment would have fit perfect for her if they well, saved she it got, for SmackDown. But she got one on SmackDown. So did she? Yeah, not? you didn't, I didn't. I didn't see this week's content. Okay, so, so she got one as well on okay. SmackDown. Hers was probably... I would say hers was actually worse than the Alexa Bliss. The only explanation I have as to why they did these two segments is to get YouTube clicks. And that's because you can brand it as Alexa Bliss wardrobe malfunction. Man walks in on changing Alexa Bliss. Or uh, in the Mandy Rose case, like Jimmy Uso goes to Mandy Rose's hotel for a one-on-one encounter or just something scandalous, okay? So it's the headline because it's a, a, it's a clickbait headline. And then and, teenage boys who are horny click on it and realize that it's not what they thought it was. Or people that don't watch the product, like yourself, from week to week, if you didn't know what was going on. Right. I mean, you know that YouTube's not going to put pornography on there, but you right. will still click it because, what is this? This yeah. sounds very strange or whatever. Like that that clip of the Alexa Bliss segment got like two and a half million YouTube clicks. They average about seven hundred thousand, I would say, is their average YouTube clip. Or so whatever. you have to admit that I am not wrong in my statement that there are fans out there that do want edgier content. Sex sells. Right. There's no denying that. But someone presented the same type of thing on Twitter where it was like you guys always cry you want the Attitude Era back, but yet you, they do this and you don't like it. Well, what I miss about the Attitude Era were this, the compelling storylines and the nature of the, I mean, the top guys at the time and the intensity of the rivalries at the top. It the, felt more serious because they were unscripted promos, plain right. and simple. They could shoot from the hip and sunny days. I mean, that right there alone was... Like, holy shit, did he really just go that far? But they also they also tried a lot of stuff that wasn't about sex and edge. Correct. Not the wrestler edge, but a lot of it wasn't even the, the sex stuff or the edgier stuff. It was just a better product a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. The wrestling product is actually much better today than it was in the Attitude Era. So, as far as the in-ring stuff goes, no, I don't want the Attitude Era back in a lot of ways. Because the undercards on those Attitude Era pay-per-views... They were pretty bad. ...sucked. Yeah. And if, if we could have had it perfectly, a wrestling fan, to me, if you really want the best of the late 90s, you want the WCW undercard and you want the WWF main event. If we could have had that... It would have been the perfect product. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's certainly a section of the fan base that want to see 
sexualized content and no i mean i'm not saying full-blown sexual content but i'm just saying edgier content just like this with her makes makes people then go okay finally we're getting to some sort of a a basis of wrestling that you grew up in you're getting back to the monday night wars of you're trying to pull off a great show and using every facet possible with great matches, with great content, with edgier people out there. Just, you know, you may hear a, a damn or a hell or a shit on a prom, you know, in the middle of a, a live mic. Just edgier stuff like that, like, or, you know, I'm going to kick your ass. They've definitely relaxed their stance on blood as far as being op- busted open the hard way where they used to stop the match and wipe the guys down and before they could continue. Now they let them continue. The refs put on gloves, but uh, they've, they've certainly changed their stance on that, which I always thought was weird anyway, because in real life, I mean, PG, I don't think because you're PG doesn't mean you have to hide blood. Blood is a part of humans. I right. mean, like, it's... I mean, if you go excessive, like, you know, like Sean and, and Flair would do sometimes, where you're just gushing it yeah i could see that being a bit excessive but if you just get a busted nose i don't see that being a a big deal and i think they they becky lynch right they they've come to terms with that and they finally accepted that because had that happened four years ago they'd have panned off and they never would cut away yeah they would have missed that 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 lasting image of her walking through the crowd with her arms raised now this is the problem that with this company overall is you can't have it both ways, though. You can't say we're moving past sexualized women's wrestling, and we're we're now divas are dead, right? But yet, here are some divas. You you ha- you have, but they always do that. Why do you think they're divas? What cons- what do you think considers them to be divas? Because I still consider them to be great athletes. But I mean, a beautiful woman. If you are a male. And you are of the age of 18 and older. Okay, if you are a male and you are of the age of 14 and older, a beautiful woman, but that can also carry her, her own and kick ass, like, you know, you know, Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss, Natalia Neidhart. Well, they don't, they don't mean, employ unattractive people, men or women. Okay, so you can't tell me that that is not part of their repertoire in the fact that, yes, attractiveness goes a long way with the abilities in which if you have it all the it being the look and if you're a woman i'm sorry but that is the look an attractive woman right or wrong you can call me sexist you know i'm right well it's the same way with the men now i mean most of the men are gq looking models okay same way with the men and you also have the ability to go in there and give a knockdown drag out performance and a great match that I believe night after night, especially on the women's side, night after night should be main eventing the show. When they're on a show like Total Divas or on Total Bellas or on a network special, that, like I said, that's how I would present stuff like this. If the divas, excuse me, if the women, if the women want to have a swims, if it's on their terms, if it, yeah. if they want to have a swimsuit episode on the network. Where it's like just like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition or the uh, ESPN body issue, and they want to do that, which Charlotte took part in or whatever, and it's under yeah. their terms. I have no problem with that. 
But as far as cheesy soap opera, just TNA for TNA's sake, I don't... I just think that there's... I mean, there are so many other avenues in which you can get that. And to have it on their show, instead of dedicating two minutes to that, you could have dedicated two minutes to a great... another... a match on the show. You could have dedicated two minutes to getting the women's titles over. But you did that to get YouTube clicks, which, like I mentioned to you before the show, yeah, it gets a lot of YouTube clicks. It got like two and a half million when I last checked. But that doesn't generate a lot of revenue. It doesn't generate any money. But it does sound good to investors because... Uh, that that kind of stuff's important. So and they and they've done this. Uh, they did this. Uh, they did this about three years ago, I'd say, with Eva Marie on SmackDown. She had a wardrobe malfunction where her top yeah. broke, and she had to forfeit her match. That's when her whole gimmick was always avoiding the match, and then she actually got suspended. So her storyline became real life. She never got the match. Yeah. So. Uh, that they did the same thing, so I actually think that this is something they are just going to break out every couple of years just to generate some YouTube clicks. And they did it on SmackDown with Mandy Rose in a very. A lot of people compared it to the Aiden English Lana Rusev angle they they did a few months ago. But what it made me think of was the Tory and Al Wilson thing. So Jimmy Uso and Jay Uso. Jimmy or Jay, I don't remember which one, gets a thing in the, gets a letter, and it's got a hotel card in it. But instead of reading it himself, he hands it to his brother. His brother says, "Hey, it's Mandy Rose here. I want to be locked up in the Uso Penitentiary. I've been a very bad, bad girl." <laughs> and so, naturally, just like that Tory Wilson and Al Wilson segment, amazingly, Patrick, in this hotel room, there are cameras everywhere. It's beautiful, beautiful lighting. Everything's perfect. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy goes to the hotel, uh, Mandy Rose then takes her robe off and she's in her lingerie, and then a photographer for some reason runs in to take a picture of them together, I guess to use as blackmail. Right. Uh, so Mandy was just setting him up to, to blackmail Naomi. Right. But then, it turns out it's a double swerve, Patrick, because Naomi was waiting outside, Jimmy was just bringing her in to beat up Mandy Rose... But then Mandy Rose just beats up Naomi, and that's the end of the se- The segment made no sense. All it was was an excuse to get Mandy Rose in lingerie on TV for five seconds so they could put it on YouTube for a clip. I just... it It's the worst segment of the year by far. Just as far... It, and not even because of the TNA involved with it. The, that Alexa Bliss thing, at least that was... A non sequitur. Like, that PA will never be back. That PA was not a wrestler. That's that's yeah. not an angle that will be revisited ever again. That was... A one, one and done. That was like when the kid jumped in front of Batista and did the machine gun arms. Like, those random things they sometimes do backstage. This was an angle. This was thought out. This was written. And all the logical fallacies involved with this whole thing. Like, the number one being... Well, you know, to play it safe, hey, uh, don't go to the hotel. Uh, that would be number one. Uh, or send your twin brother. Just send Jay and have him and see what's up. Yeah. And then, anyway, the logical fact, it was so hard. I can suspend my disbelief over a lot of stuff. Okay. But um, this edgy stuff, every once in a while. Okay, I'll give you that, Patrick. Thank every you. Every once in a while. Thank you. 
but I can't have it week to week. Okay. See, I just everybody, can't do everybody it. wants to say that I'm being a pig about this, but I'm just speaking the truth that everybody's afraid to say nowadays because everything's got to be PC. That's all I'm getting at. Every once in a while is fine, and even look by the stand like. It wasn't sable and body paint. It wasn't the cat getting topless. So by those standards, this was very tame yes, stuff that yes. we're talking about. And I don't think that's it should be very tame because there are still kids that watch the content. That's correct. But I said every once in a while it's fun. Yeah. I can I can have my brain I can let my brain go to neutral for a minute and I don't know. It definitely felt, though, since Vince has gotten himself more involved in the product since the ratings tanked, it, it definitely that, felt like Vince it was, was back running things. It was a Vince and there's, there's nothing wrong this with This was that. a man that had Eric Bischoff make out with his own wife <laughs> and daughter, I think. I think, yeah, Bischoff and Stephanie had a thing on screen. He definitely... Oh, yeah, they did in the... Okay, I got you. He yeah. definitely made out with Linda and said, yeah. my, you're yeah. a big-breasted beauty, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. He's creepy. Vince is is a creepy guy. That's very true. So also, when I watch it in that context, it makes me feel even more skeeved out because I know it's Vince. Yeah. A 12-year-old in a 75-year-old man's body. It's just creepy to me. So anyway, yeah, so that was uh, the YouTube clickbait from Raw and SmackDown. We'll see what they do next week. Maybe this is an ongoing thing. In a more serious story... um, Kurt Angle took to social media this week that his 16-year-old niece had been abducted by an ex-boyfriend and apparently he broke into the house, beat up her, and then drug her into a red sedan and sped away. And so then there was a time frame in which they were they put out an Amber Alert and everything and luckily they were able to find her and save her. The police did. Kurt Angle went on to thank... The, uh, the fans who immediately, because apparently it was a fan who was a part of helping find her. And so it was just a great, it was, an, it was a great deal to the fans and a very scary situation. Something that could have turned out extremely worse than it already had become. And so. Oh yeah, well this is, we're taping this the same week that that, that girl that was missing for 88 days wandered out of her abductor's basement and was found in the snow, uh, Jamie Kloss. Uh, so, yeah, abductions are really scary. They are. And if you don't find them right away, you just immediately assume the worst. So she was located rather quickly, so yeah. it was a happy ending to that story. And uh, that's good news for Kurt Angle, who, of course, his brother had uh, ran into some legal troubles a few years ago. So uh, Kurt Angle needs some good news on the family front. So. He does. Eric Rowan... And Luke Harper have been cleared and are able to return to the ring. I'm not sure why they were out. I'm not sure how they got injured. Uh, Rowan, Rowan needed arm surgery, okay. I think. Yeah, Rowan's the big bald guy, right? The the white guy. That yes, the and Luke went. Harper is, is right. the... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Rowan needed like elbow surgery or something. And okay. even though he needed surgery, he still worked the match, much like... Dynamite Kid worked that match injured many, many years ago. And so they still worked a match to drop the tag team belts. And uh, they've been off TV ever since. But also, coincidentally, Bray Wyatt's been off TV ever since Matt Hardy uh, decided to perhaps retire. Has been training as a road agent. We don't know if that's his final 
position. We don't know if we've seen the last of Matt Hardy in the ring, but Bray Wyatt has been off TV as well, and he's also he's also been dealing with a, a very messy divorce the past couple of years, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. But as far as Royal Rumble surprises, I wouldn't be that surprised if the Wyatt family might reform because all three of those guys, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers were, I mean, they were doing okay, but Bray Wyatt was, when was they, lost. Well, when they broke them up, it just didn't have that, that same feeling. I would love, and here's my deal, I would love for them to be three special entries at random times, but it comes down to the final three of them. Harper and Rowan step over, eliminates themselves, and Bray goes on to WrestleMania, and the Wyatt family is once again I think you're. I think you're going to get that without the, the Bray winning part. I think maybe late into the match, that, that could be a likely scenario, but Bray would, to be off TV this long, there's, there's no way he's going. Uh, even though, as we say every year at the Rumble, the idea is that anybody could win it, right? But that's not true. See, I would like to see. Okay. We're into the Rumble. Let's do predictions. Well, or do you want to finish? Yeah, that's finished news. Okay. We'll, we'll get into it. Uh, Maria and Mike, the Revival, and Ziggler have. Well, Maria and Mike and the Revival have asked for releases from their contracts, I believe, to none other than go to AEW. Well, that's the likely conclusion. Uh, Ziggler, however, the rumor, these are all rumors, by the way. None of this has been really confirmed by any of the individuals. In fact, Maria straight up denied uh, the story about uh, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis is uh, requesting their release. Let's start with those two. Now, they were brought in. They had a very cool entrance, uh, had a very cool theme song. We didn't know what was up. He took her last name, her gimmicked last name, or he took her old last name. So Mike Bennett from Ring of Honor had come in, and you did a show with them actually. Was Mike Bennett working that show? He was him and Maria. That's crazy. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so they they're brought in. It's strange to me that he bypassed the NXT system because they've made other people with more experience go to NXT, right? Including people like Samoa Joe, Nakamura, Finn Balor. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Kevin Steen, Sami Zayn. You can go on and on with people who had to go through NXT. For some reason, I guess because she was on the main roster when she departed, that he just got to go straight on. Straight straight back. Straight through. Now, unfortunately, turns out they hired a drug addict in Mike Bennett who was struggling with uh, prescription pill abuse. So, he goes off to rehab immediately. And then... Maria gets pregnant. So both of these events occur almost simultaneously, so they are gone for months and months and months. I was going to say, because I, had, I Maria heard they has signed, yet, but I have yet to see them. Maria has yet to reappear on television, but Mike has reappeared, and he's been working 205 Live, is Sorry. where he's been relegated to. But outside of that, he's been on main event and just doing syndicated okay. shows, right. or network shows. Now... As far as them requesting their release, if I was the WWE, I would grant them their release. I would waive their 90-day non-compete because, I'm sorry, I have never seen much in Mike Bennett uh, as far as a wrestler and the very limited clips that I've seen of him. I don't think he has a lot of skills that are required to be a top guy. And if you want to go ahead and if you... 
if you think that AEW is on this hiring spree and is really just snatching up anyone available, then send them someone who has clearly not worked out for you in Mike Bennett. And I'm sorry, Mike, I think that the story of him overcoming his addiction and going to rehab is a nice one, but his work in the ring, they haven't done anything with him and you know a lot of that is on the riders and it's due to the size of the roster there's so many people but at the same time i just don't see anything in this guy and so let him go let him go sign send send i hate to put it this way but send your trash to your competition send the people that aren't doing anything for you to your competition just like (laughs) i was just about to say it's immediately like they did when they sent Waltman, because he started having his issues, they sent him to, to WCW. And it was they say it was for money, but I believe that's exactly what they sent him for. I was going to say it's more like when they let Vince Russo go. Oh, yeah. Because Ooh. they knew what a train wreck he would be on his own. Yeah. And they were 100% right. And I don't think Mike Bennett is going to be a train wreck, but I think he would get signed at an overinflated value if he were to sign with AEW or go back to Ring of Honor because... And he'll he'll drop the ball. I'm sorry. I, that's my opinion of it. Well, addictions are hard to beat, as we've seen with many, many wrestlers, that they fall they fall off the wagon. Now, I don't wish that. And no, I don't we're think, not. Yeah, especially. But what have you done for me lately? You don't have a body of work... Uh, credentials and I could be totally wrong because honestly when I when Cody Rhodes was let go from the company when he was tired of being Stardust and he was let go I didn't see much in him so if Mike Bennett goes out there on the indie scene and proves me completely wrong and becomes the biggest star in the world then I will be very very surprised but if I was a WWE this is one release that I would be more than happy to go ahead and let my competition have and Maria uh, offers a lot of great... She's great on the mic. She's a great uh, antagonist. She's a great manager. She offers a lot of things outside of the ring that, that she can do for you. So she would be a decent hire somewhere. If it's a, if you have to sign them as a package deal, I just don't see Mike Bennett doing much for you. So if that rumor is true, I'd go ahead and do it. Well, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I am completely... And if it's if it's not true and they're just putting it out there, well, with the announcement of All Elite Wrestling, we're going to see stories like this pop up every single week. True. And it's going to be different wrestlers, and it's, some of it's going to be posturing for a better contract the next time their contract's due. Sometimes it's going to be to try to get a push on the main roster. They're just going to see what happens when they voice their displeasure. What yeah. happens? Yeah. Because... They're in such bad positions where if you fire me, okay, that's no, I, I've got somewhere to go. If you do something with me, that's great. So now we're going to hear these stories a lot more. In the case of Maria and Mike, I'd say fare thee well, and uh, thanks for stopping by. The Revival, let's move to them next. Uh, yes, The Revival, well, The Revival were wearing trunks uh, the last couple weeks on Raw that said hashtag... FTR, which is Free the Revival, so they are somewhat buying into this fan displeasure where, and the Bucks really want the Revival and to quit, and so they're at least feeding into the fan frenzy over wanting them out. 
Now, they came to the main roster in 2017. If their standard contract is three years, that means they still have 11 months to go before it's 2020. Right. And and when I said earlier about Mike and Maria letting them go, WWE's not going to let them go. WWE's not going to let anybody go until their contract is up. We've seen it already with Neville, and we've seen it with Rey Mysterio, where they put you in limbo. They say, you owe us this many dates or whatever. You owe us, or we're just going to tie you up in court. We're going to delay it. Then you have to face a 90-day non-compete when you get out. So even if the Revival get released, and also I think it's kind of crazy to be asking for your release when you have... AEW doesn't have their TV deal announced and finalized. When you have Impact on a channel that nobody gets, the Pursuit channel. Impact is now on Twitch also on Friday nights, which you can see how many people are watching that live. They only did about 10,000 people watching the live stream on Friday nights. So that's one of your options. Or you can go to Ring of Honor, who's owned by a media conglomerate, which has never really invested in that product. And has never really shopped it around as a major... They've never given it the push to make it a legitimate contender to a secondary WWE, to a the level that TNA or WCW was once at. I mean, TNA never reached WCW levels, but... The the COO of Ring of Honor, you brought that up, he, uh, he said that he's having talent asking for their releases to go to AEW because they feel like it's going to be a, a big thing, so... This isn't just WWE. This is companies. Well, and it's going to really affect the the small-time players that don't have deep pockets. We talked yeah. about it last week, but uh, this past week, MLW had booked a match uh, WrestleMania weekend with this Mexican wrestler called Roosh, and uh, Ring of Honor snatched him up, signed him to an exclusive deal, and so now they had to change their card around, and so now it's L.A. Park versus Pentagon Jr. instead of roosh um so yeah now you're in a bidding war it's an arms race wwe is not going to let even a mike and maria walk and they're certainly not going to let the revival walk but getting this story out there gets the fans on your side as far as if you if you are a fan favorite which the revival are even though they play heels now now we know that you know that now the fans know that you're disgruntled and we're right there with you so now you're 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 just doing good things for yourself That's right. by by generating this publicity. That's right. So whether this is a real story, a fake story, whether it's posturing, whether it's actually they want out, nothing but good things will happen for all the wrestlers involved in these stories. Except for the third wrestler, Dolph Ziggler. Now, in Dolph Ziggler's case, I don't want to see Dolph Ziggler in any ring, anywhere, anytime, anywhere, ever again. I'm so sick of this guy. Uh, I was so impressed with him uh, 10 years ago when we saw him debut. I thought, man, this guy is a hell of a worker. But he never... Going on like 15 years. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he debuted with the Spirit Squad, and they were that was like 2005. Oh, right. Man. Well, I, I didn't know any of yeah, the Spirit. Yeah. I, the Spirit Squad, I don't count that as <laughs> part of his... His run? His history. Because <laughs> out of that group, Kenny was the primary push guy out of that group, Kenny Dykstra. And, you know, Kenny, I'm friends with Kenny, but I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten... Well, they brought him in for that brief, that very brief Cup run. of coffee, and but I, I wish that he was getting more work, because he is very talented. 
I think the first time I really thought he was a good wrestler was some match on a pay-per-view. We, it was definitely one we were watching at Hooters where he wrestled Mysterio or something. I, I was many, many, many years ago. I thought... Many? Yeah, for like the U.S. or Intercontinental belt. Because kids nowadays don't even remember Hooters showing WWE pay-per-views. I don't think they do it anymore. They don't. They quit doing it. That's why we started doing it elsewhere. Yeah. Um. So, anyway... That match, I was like, wow, this guy's really great. And then he cashed in his money in the bank. And I'm thinking, this guy's going places. He, he wins and the world title. He's got Big E as a bodyguard. Oh, AJ. AJ his was his, yeah. his actual girlfriend at, at the, time. the time. I yeah. mean, yeah, he had a lot going for him. But then he never changed anything, Patrick. He never changed his promo style, his wrestling style, his attire, his hair. His, I mean, it was just... He, I, he even had Stale. that. He had that getting married to Vicky Guerrero run too, <sighs> that went like a year and a half. And I mean, he really had a lot going for him. But, but he's always got the same promo of "Yeah, I can do it this time. You just gotta believe me." Face or heel, he's the same character. I'm so sick of this guy. I've been sick of him for a while, and I'm not sure this rumor is true. He's even he's tweeted that it it's probably not true. Or he's he's denied that this is taking place, but that the WWE wants to make him a road agent and take him off the screen. And he wants to focus more on his stand-up comedy career, which I'm sure he's just a laugh riot if he's anything like he is in the ring. So, I uh, don't know any truth to that one, but I wouldn't be... A few years ago, a couple years ago, there was a he was in a career-threatening match, and I wanted him to lose so badly, Patrick. I was so sad when he was able to overcome the odds... And pull it off, save his career. Uh, but I'm, I've been off the Dolph Ziggler train for a long time. So, but knowing my luck, no, he's going to be around forever. He is going to wrestle until he's seventy, like Ric Flair and Terry Funk. And I'm never going to be rid of this guy. So that's that's what I say about uh, Mr. Ziggler. Ronda Rousey is going to be Sonya Blade in. The new Mortal Kombat 11 video game. Yeah, so I guess they're using uh, real actors and actresses to once again portray the Mortal Kombat character models like they did in the original uh, Mortal Kombat. Is this... You know a lot more about video games than I do. Is this going to be like just a straight Street Fighter one-on-one or is this going to have an actual story mode to it and everything else? I think they've gone back to just the original Mortal Kombat formula of a tower where you start at the bottom, you just fight your way. It's a tournament fighter, basically. And there are some modes where, like, you can tag people in. Like, they put in, like, tag modes, basically. They do other mini-games, and there's an online uh, community around it. The last one was called Mortal Kombat X or XL, and uh, came out a couple of years ago. It's really cool because they had like Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees in it at one point in time. Like, there's been a lot of additions to it. Yeah, and the fatality animations are really amazing, and it's it got a lot of great reviews. I've got not that one, but the one that came out before that was just called Mortal Kombat. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but she is going to play Sonya Blade, who is the blonde in Mortal Kombat. If you remember the movie. She's played by Pete Sampras's wife, uh, this famous tennis player in that movie. But she is going to be the character model there. So it's going to be very strange that a WWE wrestler is in a Mortal Kombat game. 
who is also in a UFC game. So she is going to be much like Brock Lesnar, how he was, one year he was in Madden, a WWE game, and a UFC game. He's been in like three totally different things. He was in Madden? He was in Madden because that year he tried out for the Vikings. He's a free agent in in one year of Madden. Really? Yeah, you can play as Brock Lesnar in uh, one year of Madden. Does it actually show his name and everything? Yeah, B. Lesnar. Like, he's a free agent, so... Yeah, you can get Brock on your... He uh, he F5s people. No. That would be awesome. Well, if they ever do Blitz again, that would be a great idea. That would... Yes. Oh, God, I want Blitz back. Alright, so... Eva Marie, I posted on her page a link to her page so you can click there and wish her luck. Uh, she is going into the Big Brother Celebrity House. Which, haven't they had a wrestler in there before? They have not. They had a guy who wanted to be, and I think he finally turned into being one and went on to Impact. I can't remember his name. I know that uh, Johnny Mundo was on Survivor. I don't ever know what happened with uh, with Johnny Impact there, if he won it. Uh, Yeah, I don't keep up with it. I've never liked Big Brother. Uh, Really? Why why is this? It just doesn't appeal to me. It's just very boring. Uh, Two people, or multiple people. Just people in a house. In a house. No contact to the outside world. No radio, no TV, no newspaper, no nothing. No cell phones, no zero nothing. Right. You're stuck within the confines of this house for 90 days. It's survivor in a house, basically. Yes, it is. And the politics and the bullshit. And And yeah, you have to form an alliance and you have to do challenges and you have to do all this stuff. And I like Survivor. I have not watched. I haven't watched since the first season of Survivor. Or not Survivor. Uh, I like Big Brother. Sorry. Yeah, Uh, I know a lot of people actually prefer Big Brother over Survivor. but, but, um, But I haven't watched over the past few years because there's always that one guy. That just annoys the shit out of me. To like, well, they cast it on purpose, and it's like just nothing but a a, a nail to your skull type mentality. Because it just so at that point in time, I'll get through like one or two episodes, and then I'm like, okay, I can't do it. But now that she is involved, I will try my best to give you weekly updates at how well Thank she's you. doing. And keep us posted. I will. I will. Eva and, Marie, watch and go on and. Uh, I want to wish her luck personally, uh, but I know you want to wish her luck as well, and so it, it will be an awesome experience if she's able to pull this off and win, and uh, so best of luck to her. Yeah, best of luck to her. hope she's better at this than she was at wrestling, because <laughs> she was not a very good pro wrestler. Well, she could do multiple things. Well, yeah, outside of the ring, she was great. She uh, If they had used her properly outside of the ring... But even when they tried to get her to be Fondango's dancer, turns out she can't dance. Which, I mean, pro wrestling is sort of like a dance, so I guess they should have figured that out. <laughs> Alright, last but certainly not least. January 17th, 1949, was the birth of a true legend in professional wrestling. A name by the a man by the name of Andy Kaufman. Now, unfortunately, he left this world too soon. But allegedly, we <laughs> allegedly, but we have come across it is his 70th birthday this past week on the 17th, and so crazy he would only have been seven. It seems seven. like he would have been much older. And he was like what 40 something when supposedly he was in his 30s when he when passed he got away. When he supposedly yeah. got cancer and, and passed. Yeah, away. allegedly. Yeah, I mean Tony Clifton is still out there <laughs> somewhere. 
Bob Zamuda, who plays Tony Clifton, uh, to this day still sometimes. So he does a radio show now. Bob Zamuda does. Yeah, the the so. spirit of Andy is still yes around there and way uh way before his time in terms of comedy. He was doing comedy for himself. He was he was playing to the back of the room. He wasn't playing to the. He was doing. He got a kick out of screwing with other people. Like, that was his deal. His comedy... The joke was on you. It was on you. It wasn't on him. It was on you. Yeah, and he wasn't... He wasn't telling jokes. To watch you... The act was a joke. Yeah, to watch you look at him and be like, I don't get it. He got a kick out of that. Avant-garde way of doing comedy that has yet to be replicated. No, you know... It's a... Yeah, it's a very unique style. I put him up there, believe it or not, and this is gonna blow your mind because I know you love this guy. I put him up there with like a Jerry Seinfeld. In a in a unique comedy in a unique comical sense that you get some of his jokes, you don't get some of his jokes, but at the end of the day, he can give you the one of the most unbelievable, entertaining shows. Creatively, I think he's actually well. We'll never know because he passed away so young. But creatively, he was just a genius as far yeah. as as what was in what was up there. You know who. Who thought of some... I mean, who would think of some of these things? He was putting things together that no one else would think to do. I mean, just the the, the bit he's most famous for, the Mighty Mouse thing. That's yeah. such a simple thing. But who would think to do that? Who would... Or Lodka when he did uh, Taxi. Well, he didn't like doing that. He did no, that to but, get a paycheck. But, right, but still, but he was, it's I a mean, character. Well, that set the standard for, like, Urkel's and... Carlton's and that yeah. that character on sitcoms, yeah. Fonzie. Well, that's why Fonzie was actually before him. But the foreign the foreign character has been duplicated several times on sit, even to this day on Big Bang Theory. I mm-hmm. mean, Cuther Polly is Andy Kaufman basically, except yeah. he's actually Indian instead of uh, Andy Kaufman being from uh, wherever he was supposed to be from, allegedly Latvia or somewhere, it's- Latvia. Anyway. Something along those lines. Anyway, but he was he was very committed, and when he got, I I'm telling you, you don't understand how enjoyment I get out of watching him and Lawler and that feud, and I just it is literally one of my favorite feuds of all times, and uh, just the excitement that he was so he was so wide open that. When he got into wrestling, he brought that creativeness into wrestling. I mean, what man do you know is going to take a pile driver in the ring? Not be injured, but yet force people to come pick him up, take him to a hospital, and spend two weeks in traction because he supposedly has a broken neck. He sold that shit that fucking far. And so people believe 100% that Lawler broke his damn neck. So it's it's was very unique. It was very... Well, Kaufman himself was sort of living kayfabe. Like, he lived kayfabe. Yeah. So that's why he understood and related to pro wrestling so much, because the Andy Kaufman that showed up on TV... We never know... You will never know what the actual Andy Kaufman was like, because he was always... He was always on some other planet. Yeah, Yeah, he was always in in a different zone. Yes. A, A zone that we will never be able to understand or enter. So that's why he was so good at pro wrestling and uh, easily the best celebrity involvement ever in pro wrestling. I mean, he got it. He got it. And he would, he was, he could have, if he had not unfortunately passed away, he could have actually gone on to become a great wrestler, 
by just nothing but running his mouth and getting his ass kicked. I don't think he would have been a great wrestler, but a, Not a, great, a great heel commentator. I can imagine him being the Jesse Ventura or the Jerry Lawler yes. heel version. He would have made a great heel commentator. Gotten gotten some real hatred. Yeah. Uh, he knew how to generate heat. And so uh, that's all I have. Uh, well, worthy. we are we do miss you there, Andy. Though, so if you're really dead, <laughs> um, so those NXT debuts that they had been teasing for weeks and weeks. You did not watch the uh, Raw and SmackDown this week, uh, so here's how they were introduced, Patrick. They were just standing around. Really? That's right. Yes, Lacey Evans was just standing around backstage on Raw. On SmackDown, she was just watching TV backstage. On Raw, EC3 was just standing around backstage. On SmackDown, I think Samoa Joe walked past him. That's how they were introduced. Remember how Chris Jericho was introduced? How how memorable that was? Well, because that interrupts the Raw. Yeah, all these NXT call-ups were literally just cameos, where they just appeared, and if they said anything, they it was one or two sentences yeah so that's how they were all introduced except for sadly Lars Sullivan suffered an anxiety attack not this past week but the week before when Raw was in Orlando Vince wanted to see EC3 and Lars Sullivan and some of these NXT guys that he's never seen wrestle before so he had them all want to he he wanted them to all work a dark match before the show and Lars Sullivan apparently freaked out about this and had an anxiety attack, which I've had before, which is really scary stuff. You think you're having a heart attack. You yeah, think you're about to I've, pass I've, out. I've been there too. It's not. It's a very scary situation. Yeah, so he didn't show up for that. They wanted him on Tuesday night for SmackDown in Jacksonville that week because that's a short drive. You can show up for that. Vince wants to see you. Didn't show up for that. In fact, flew home to Colorado and is now not being mentioned anymore on TV. and Probably be getting his release, I would say. Uh, no, they, there is news that Vince... Vince was disappointed, but the company supports him, and they understand, especially what they've gone through with, like, Mauro Ronaldo and understanding mental illness and understanding people's situations in life and having issues with wrestlers in the past, you know. Mm. This guy needs time. If he's freaking out, then... Let him let him get well. He probably just wasn't... I mean, the shock of being in front of more than a thousand people probably scared him. And that's what kicked this off. Well, the thought of performing for the owner of the company, I think. In a very weird way, I can relate to this because in sixth grade band, Patrick, uh, you had to take a playing test, is what they called it. And so I played trumpet, or I wanted to play trumpet. I gave that up very quickly, but... Uh, <laughs> The thing I hated the most about it, though, is so the whole band, the whole sixth grade band, you all suck, by the way. Uh, the whole every sixth grade band sucks. So <laughs> yeah, it's, give it up. Yeah, well, know. no, no, you can keep. Go- some, there's a few standouts. There's a few good players out of the bunch, but for the most part, you suck. But uh, so anyway, the thing I hated the most was they were called playing tests, and that's how you got your grade. And the way they would do it in my class, anyway, or at my school, so. The entire class would turn and look at you, and so would your teacher, and you would have to play, like, Jingle Bells, solo, on the trumpet or whatever. Right. And so when you fucked it up, 
The whole world is watching. The whole things. world yeah. is watching, and I crumbled under that pressure. Yeah. And it's still a thing that I deal with every day, so I can only imagine, yeah, okay, I've, I'm now debuting on the main roster, and oh, by the way, Vince McMahon, the guy who determines who lives and dies in pro wrestling, is going to be watching tonight. Yeah, I yeah. can certainly relate to that feeling of dread, and certainly understand having anxiety attacks over it and you know what i did in sixth grade i was a real dick i fucked over other trumpet players because after i would fuck up i would try to fuck with them to make them fuck up so like one of my friends he would sit next to me and he he was a trumpet player too so when it was his turn for a test after i had already shit the bed uh, and i felt horrible so i was i would like flip him off or like like mouth curse words to him and like that would cause him to fuck up on the trumpet yeah. so i ruined his playing i ruined his trumpet career too so i took him down with me you could have been playing for you know an orchestra if you had just been able to pull it out nowadays <laughs> yeah i know we could have been a regular louis armstrong oh sorry yeah sorry let's do the rumble picks okay very quickly Here is your Royal Rumble card. We're taping this before the go-home show, so they might change these or add to them. Uh, The U.S. Championship match. It's Rusev the champ taking on Nakamura in a rematch. Rusev. Rusev, absolutely. Uh, The Bar taking on The Miz and Shane McMahon for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Shane and Miz. They've got way too much steam battling with finally trying to get them two together. I just think it's super early for that. Yeah, I would take Miz and Shane McMahon. They both tag team belts bounce around so much that it's just so easy to pick. I didn't even know the, the bar challenger. Had it. I didn't even know the, the bar. bar have already been tag champs between the two brands like five or six times. <laughs> They've only been a tag team two years. Ronda Rousey takes on Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Rousey will yeah, roll Ronda, over Ronda, Sasha Banks. Ronda. Oscar will take on Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I assume that Oscar will retain so that Becky Taking Lynch can Becky be Lynch. in the Rumble. Uh, no, because I'm taking that whoever is performing here is not going to be in the Rumble. Well, see, I would agree with you, but in the in the last few years when Roman Reigns has had title shots, he still shows up in the Rumble at number 29 or 30. So True. Uh, if that happens... If that is the case, I think Becky Lynch is going to drop, or is going to win the title, and I think Ronda's going to lose. Oh, that'd be way too weird. No, I... And then have it, or Ronda wins and it does title for title. Anyway, we're setting towards the course of Ronda and Becky, so... They could both lose, though. So your pick for Asuka and Becky is... Uh, I'll go with Asuka for now. Yeah, I'm going to say Asuka as well. That's it doesn't a, have to be a clean finish. That, yeah, I was going to say, that's a weird, that's a weird, it's a weird pick. Because it can actually go either way, truthfully. Daniel Bryan defending the WWE Championship against AJ Styles. AJ? And I think Bryan will retain. Wow, really? Yeah, this would be only his second defense on pay-per-view. But actually... Yeah, because Survivor Series wasn't a title match. Okay. So this is only his second defense, so I'm going to say, right. yeah, he retains. All right, so then who do you see him planning on going against? Who would I pair Brian with? Like, For WrestleMania. I have to stick to SmackDown, probably. Exactly. 
Because I personally, if that was the case, I'd love to see him kind of swap over and have uh, have Brian versus. Uh, well, he is a heel now, so I'm trying to think of who are the baby faces on SmackDown outside of AJ that I would even consider. Because we both think Rusev is going to retain over Nakamura. So they're not going to have the U.S. champ go against... He's not... Rusev's not hot enough to challenge Daniel Bryan. At WrestleMania? No. Randy Orton's not a face at the moment. I could... No. I was going to say Jeff Hardy. I could see Hardy, believe it or not. I could see him... After all the trials and tribulations and all that... Hardy goes on to finally main event for the title at WrestleMania. I could see that actually tri- really working out. He's hot right well, now. Well, he is a giant baby. He hasn't been on TV in a while, but he is a giant baby face. I mean, the fans love him. So, And he does, with Brian's gimmick of hating consumerism and stuff, and I'm sure he can easily transition into hating you know, drug addicts and yeah. alcoholics. Uh, we he can still incorpor- run with that, yeah. So I guess, yeah, that would be my who I would pair him with. Outside of that, I don't know of anybody else on SmackDown at the moment that I would... That's a top face. Alright. Stick with me on this. I'm changing my plan. Brian wins it. I'm changing my pick. Brian wins it, and here's why. AJ, Sean, Wrestle, uh, WrestleMania. Finally well, yeah, that, that could happen. We I get mean, that dream match. I think AJ's going to be paired with... I could see... They better not fuck us up. I mean, seriously. They have one one chance here. Do not fuck this up. I could see AJ almost being paired up with, like, um... Like a Mustafa Ali or somebody. See, I could care less about that match. Well, I know you could, but I would really like that match. I I don't know the direction because you would unless because here you need a heel they've already done Nakamura they've already done Joe so I feel like AJ and Shawn Michaels you could have the birth of the Bullet Club once again well they could use some of those call-ups you could have him take on EC3 or something like that or you could even have that for well he's a heel I was gonna say against Daniel Bryan but yeah, AJ could be paired with EC3 very easily. Reignite some for, TNA stuff. For WrestleMania? You could pair him with Mysterio. Actually, that's probably who Brian is going to get paired with. Right, Mysterio? Yes. For WrestleMania? Yes. For the title? Yeah, even though I like Jeff Hardy better. I like Jeff spot. Hardy better, but yeah. Ray's had some great matches the past couple of weeks. with. So you think Ray's going to become a two-time winner of the Royal Rumble? Oh, no, no. The The winner of the Rumble will be from Raw this year. They've gone SmackDown two years in a row now. Okay, so, so okay, fair enough. So, I guess for Mr. Styles, I guess Randy Orton is probably the likely destination. Sorry. Blandy Blorton. That's, that's my prediction for AJ Styles' WrestleMania. I'd rather program. have Styles and Flair if I want to get him and Orton. Against Rick? Yeah, Rick comes out. At 70? Rick comes out, takes a bump, and one, two, three. Or you, I mean, you you may be on to something with Sean, but I I went back and I watched the tag match. I see, I have yet to see it. Is I, it pretty bad? Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't. Well, I mean, there's, there's a, that's a lot of ring rust. 
It's not. It's not even just him. It's Hunter gets injured so early on, and Tyker's old. Kane's pretty much carrying I know, most of the but, weight. I know, but Michaels tries a moonsault to the outside of the ring, and Taker and Kane, two seasoned veterans, don't catch him, and he hits. <laughs> he splats head first onto the mat and busts his head open a little bit. Really? Yeah, because these fuckers don't catch him. <laughs> a move he's been doing. Since like yeah, since like ninety three. Yeah, <laughs> they just let him drop. It's the saddest thing. And then at the end of the match, when Hunter had torn his peck and they're in the corner, he looks at Hunter and he says, "We're too old for this shit." <laughs> so I don't. I really don't know if he's gonna come back. But if he comes back, that would be the match to make. Okay. So anyway, we move on. Move on. Uh, Cruiserweight Championship. This is a four way match. Buddy Murphy. Akira Tozawa, Hideo Itami, and Kalisto. I imagine Buddy Murphy's going to retain here. I don't Hideo Itami. I'm I'm just going on a limb here. I think they're really sour on. Well, I mean, yeah, they they've been really sour on him for a while. I don't I don't see that happening. But they no one watches turn. 205 Live, right? So. They could turn. So I'm just I'm going for the wild pick on that one. And the Universal title match. It's Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor. That's Balor. right. They swapped out Braun Strowman. Yeah, you're just picking who you want to win, not who's going to win. That's why Balor. That's why Brock Lesnar will retain. There's no way that he's not going to WrestleMania Balor. with the belt. Balor. It's not for the well, title. Okay, if he shows up in his demon paint, then I get the right to change my vote. Because oh, he's enough. never lost as a demon on the main roster. Fair enough. But But here's my pick. Balor, and here's why. Because that builds for I got fucking screwed, and if he's if he's truly sticking with the company, then because that's my thing. If he's not going to UFC, is he going to UFC or no? The original date they were looking at would have been in March, and that's not going to happen. So, I mean, he can still go. He's in the testing pool. I mean, they just have to make the match, so he's still eligible to go. So you're saying he can do both? Can do both, yes. Alright, so... It's still a possibility. He drops the title. He goes on, Braun and him at WrestleMania. I think they want him with that belt to go into the octagon. Because it's with the... ESPN is now the home of UFC. WWE is in a partnership with ESPN. They want that belt in the octagon across from... The UFC belt. And either way, even if Daniel Cormier wins the match, we've talked about it before. Champion that, versus champion. Either way, the net, the winner will show up on Raw, vacate the title, all is good, or there's a new tournament, everything's fine. But I think they want that image. They want that mainstream publicity. It's the same reason they have Alexa Bliss topless, in quotation marks. They want clicks. They want people to talk about the I mean, product. okay, in that case, because we're... I didn't know if it was actually going to happen or not. If I don't know if it's going to happen. If it is going to happen, then I'm going with Brock. I'm going with Brock regardless, because I just think that whoever beats Brock has to do it on the biggest stage. Because he's been so well protected for so long. And I know that Roman beat him at SummerSlam or whatever. Goldberg beat him at Rumble. He beat him at Survivor Series. And then he beat oh, that's right. he beat Kevin Owens at the Rumble. Okay. Um, Sorry, but outside of those losses, those very rare losses, he's been very well protected. 
True. He's beaten Braun Strowman, I think, three times already. Um, I'm going to pick Brock unless Finn shows up in Demon Paint. And then if he shows up in Demon Paint and still loses, I'm going to be very disappointed. Because, once again, this company hates streaks. They just hate streaks. They fuck them. Fuck streaks. Who cares about that? The 2019 Women's Royal Rumble match. Who all is, is... Here's who's confirmed. Carmella, Ember Moon, Natalia Bailey, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Alicia Fox, Zelina Vega, Naomi, Mickey James, Billy Kay, and Peyton Royce. But you know that Charlotte will be in there. So that's who I'm picking. I'm picking Charlotte. Yeah, I'm picking Charlotte. I think Becky will be in the match, but I think that... Unless they try to do the Luger and Hart finish where they both hit at the same time, I just think Charlotte's going to eke it out and then they're going to work Becky somewhere into the match. Much like heading into WrestleMania 30, how they had to work Daniel Bryan into the main event. Uh, Even though they didn't put him in the Rumble at all that year, but he still ended up in the main event. I think that's what they're going to have to do with either Charlotte or Becky, one of the two is going to have to just be forced in. Because they, they are dead set on having this a three-way match, I think. So, that's fine. Whatever. Surprise entry for the Men's Rumble. Well, here's who's confirmed for the Men's Rumble. We have R-Truth, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Seth Rollins, Jeff Hardy, Dean Ambrose, Bobby Lashley, Samoa Joe, John Cena, Elias, Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, Apollo Crews, Andrade Cien Almas, Mustafa Ali, and Rey Mysterio. That's 18, so there are 12 unnamed If I am right, if I am right, you heard it here first, CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble. That's ridiculous. Because AEW has reached out to him, and he's considering it, and you know Vince is not going to let that one slide, so they're going to reach out back to him. I, I feel, I'm telling you. That's a big reach. Um, I'm going to pick Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins will be the one to win and defeat Brock Lesnar at the WrestleMania. If, I, if we're going off of what's picked right now, then I'm going with you, Seth Rollins. But, if I'm right. If you are right. I get the right to tell everybody to kiss my ass, I told you so. I don't think you'll be right. If if a company fired me on my wedding day, I wouldn't ever come back. Even if I wanted to, I'd have too much. How many pride. fucking times did they fire Jr.? How many times have they fired Warrior and Warrior come back? Jeff Jarrett, hell could freeze over, man. I'm telling you. Great point. Great segue into our review for this week. We head back to November 14th, 1992, to WWF Saturday Nights main event the fox year and when i say year i mean like three episodes nbc had canceled it uh they shopped around they got their fox deal uh in 2019 they're heading back to fox so hopefully it doesn't go as bad as saturday night's main event went this is the final saturday night's main event ever until they rebooted it on nbc in the 2000s with uh john cena and his gang of cronies between SummerSlam 1992 and this show, you would be completely confused as to what the hell happened. Here's a few notes from Grudge Match, a no-holds-barred wrestling recap site. Here are all the developments in the world of the WWF that have happened. The Legion of Doom left. They left because they hated the Rocco gimmick, and they never came back. 
Road Warrior Animal stuck around, though, for a little bit and teamed with Crush for house shows. Ric Flair defeated Randy Savage at a house show to become the new WWF champion. Footage of this aired on the September 12th edition of Superstars and Wrestling Challenge. During another episode of Superstars, Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior formed a team called the Ultimate Maniacs, with Savage endorsing Warrior in his bid for the WWF Championship, so they were primed to make Warrior a contender again. On that same episode of Superstars, Paul Bearer began wheeling a casket down to the ring during Kamala matches, scaring Kamala and running him off because much like Heidenreich would be later, he's terrified of caskets. Max Moon made his TV debut on, in September of 92. In September of 92, Bob Backlund vignettes began running, announcing his return. On October 10th, on Superstars, it was announced that the Ultimate Maniacs would take on Ric Flair and Razor Ramon as the main event of Survivor Series 1992. Then, two days later, during a TV taping in Saskatoon, Bret Hart defeated Ric Flair... That's right, Ric Flair lost the WWF title to Bret Hart. This was announced during an episode of Superstars, but not shown on tape until Smack'em Whack'em next year. So good luck trying to figure out what the fuck is going on around here. Also, in October, Yokozuna made his in-ring debut. And finally, the most important note, Ultimate Warrior and British Bulldog were both fired after this episode aired of Saturday Night's main event, as it was rumored they were receiving shipments of HGH. This was during a time when Vince McMahon and the WWF were being scrutinized by the media and government for steroids. So, yeah, guys, you gotta get the fuck out of here. So, Warrior and... Bulldog. Bulldog. Yeah, which is why Bulldog probably uh, loses, well... Spoiler, it's probably why what happens to Bulldog happens on this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. For no apparent reason, really. None whatsoever. So, from Indiana State University, it's Saturday Night's Main Event. What? Vince welcomes us in as Money Inc.'s Ted DiBiase theme song is already playing. They're coming out to take on the Ultimate Maniacs. I love the classic graphics on the screen, though. Their logos and shit, that was cool. Yeah. They should still do that. Yes, definitely. Everyone should have custom graphics. They do it a little bit with those lower thirds now, like Undertaker's comes like from Smoke and Bray Wyatt's with the lanterns or whatever they do, the fireflies. Vince is on the mic with Bobby Heenan tonight. Later on, what a stacked card for a Saturday night's main event. We have three title matches. No fucking filler on this card. No. They get straight to the point. So we have the tag belts up first, then we have Sean taking on the Bulldog for the IC belt, and then Bret Hart, who you didn't know was champion, is going to defend his belt against somehow number one contender, Papa Shango. The Godfather, Charles Wright, is somehow the number one contender uh, for the WWF world title. Comma the machine, the fighting machine. That's right. <laughs> Undertaker is going to be in the funeral parlor tonight as well, yes. which... Isn't really a guest. He's like always in the funeral parlor with Paul Bear. So. Well, he's dead, so he's always there. It's odd. It's always been odd to me that he's the Undertaker, yet he's dead. So he was a dead Undertaker. Right. He's a zombie mortician. Well, he's Wild West Undertaker was the was the mortician, and so that's why he wears the black hat, a cowboy hat, the so trench he... coat, all that. 
Is he from the past or did he's he from die? The past. He's an undertaker from the past. That's so the thing. he stepped it's, through like a time portal. Yes, he is a dead undertaker from the Wild West. Okay, so he's a zombie. Correct. Okay. That was the whole premise of his being brought in character. It's just a little confusing. Which is why he is so pale and you see the whole like... When he started, when he first started out the purple eye shadow and shit, oh, where right, it looked yeah. like he was hadn't slept for years, he was, you know, that kind of. It's shit. just weird that the, of all the zombies to bring back, they brought back the guy that put the people in the ground. Yeah, and that he came back. That's the unique part of it, and it, it's weird. In any other situation, Patrick, with outside of Mark Calloway, I don't know who else could have pulled this off. For oh, I don't. 28 fucking years, 29 years. I mean, this is incredible. I wanted to see the heart punch. I'm not going to lie. Just <laughs> just you wanted me and Mark to come out. Just for a split second. Just throw the heart punch. It's just insane, the, the run this guy's had. Oh, man, yeah. And the, the mileage they got out of this character, which on paper sounds ridiculous. I, if you had told me, if you had pitched me this idea today and said, man, there's this guy in NXT, okay, Here's his gimmick. He's an undead mortician from the wild, wild west. I'd say he's not. He'll be cut. He's not going to make it's it. It's not to gonna the work. You compare that side by side with Doink the Clown, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, Doink's looking pretty damn good compared to an undead mortician. I can get maybe three pay per views out of him. <laughs> yeah. Doink, I can at least get six. Yeah, well, especially the undead mortician thing sounds like monster of the month for Hulk Hogan to exactly. just destroy. It really does. Whereas Doink, you could even see a face run out of a clown, which is right, and which is so, so, and that that's I guess that going back to it, we talked about it, which is so shocking as to Survivor Series '91 when he beats Taker or when, or when he, beats, he beats Hogan, because it's like monster of the month just kicked your ass. You know, well, with a little. I really believe, but I'm saying I really believe that that solidified him as being not a monster of the month. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, had he just gotten the big leg and the one, two, three, which I mean, well, he didn't even lose. I mean, the title was held up after this Tuesday in Texas, but yeah, if he if Hogan had just squashed him like he was squashing everybody else, yeah, then yeah, he would have. He'd have been gone in in months. Manitar, yeah. yeah. Warriors music hits and the Ultimate Maniacs come out to a massive pop for Dude, Saturday night. Savage is sprinting to the fucking ring, man. Well, he's trying to keep up with Holy Jim Holy fuck! The cocaine between these two guys must have been <laughs> off the charts. I mean, I this is a combination that I would have been all over as a kid. You you, you got me the action figure set I did, of the two. Yes, and yes. I was unaware that this ever happened. Until you did you, not know this. You brought it to my attention. But this is something that only dreams are made of. And Patrick. this is the only match, by the way. Yes, the, this is true. The, the televised match yes, that they yes. worked. Uh, the only strange part about it to me, Patrick, is of all the color schemes that you Red would and yellow. Pick, that is so fucking weird to me. Did did Vince just think it's the red and yellow that gets people over? Is is that the I, ticket? I think, I think so. It's bizarre that color so. selection. Well, you and or was that a slight that they did for because Hogan had bailed? Is that like a that a might shot? be it? But you you think back and when they did the the um the mega powers, right? Fucking Savage hated red and yellow. 
So why all of a sudden now are you putting him once again back in red and yellow with Warrior? And he's fine with it. And he's fine with it, yeah. Also, this is when uh, Warrior was uh, off the gas, so he was in his onesie. But it didn't it didn't take away from the act. They were still, man, the intensity they oh my god they were a hundred Sa- miles an hour. Savage is a wild man, general and just in general, in they're the both world. crazy people. Yes, <laughs> but you put him with Warrior, and this motherfucker is wide open. Yeah, like took a. Shit ton of cocaine before they hit the the curtain, like just wide open. I mean, if they had had a prolonged, this would have been an awesome, like prolonged run had it happened. Oh yeah, sadly it, it didn't. Right. Uh, the brain scan shows Bobby Heenan drawing Ross Perot as a loser, as this was right after the presidential election. So the brain scan was much like the King was doing at our last show we reviewed. You could now scribble on the screen. Everyone thought this was the coolest shit in the early 90s. Because Madden... uh, Yeah, football. John Madden was doing it, so... Now, some of the crowd noise here was piped in, unfortunately. Yes. Because after (laughs) the initial pop... They were still going nuts, and I'm looking at the people, and... People are just sitting on their ass. Or you, yeah, or they're just standing there not doing anything. Like, this is why I hated watching SmackDown for all those years that it was pre-taped, because for whatever reason, they are so insecure, WWE, that they pipe in this crowd noise when it's clear that they're not going crazy. But right. they wanted you to make... They wanted you to believe that the crowd was just going ape shit for... 10 minutes or whatever. If you're at some point in time where you're not able to see the TV, like got up to the kitchen right. or something, you're thinking the place went absolutely batshit crazy. You know, really they didn't. Or sometimes they would pipe in like chants, like if they wanted to get Hogan over, like you, they would pipe in Hogan chants. Like, Goldberg. Or yeah, well, WCW piped those in actually over the speakers. At least WWF would do it in the, in the edit. These were pre-taped, so they could g- go in the edit and do it. At least they weren't piping it over the speakers. Warrior vertical suplexes DiBiase for a near fall. IRS comes in and keeps Warrior grounded. He hits a sleeper to Warrior. We go to a split screen showing Razor, Mr. Perfect, and Ric Flair. They're watching this match. They are. Not staring sideways at a TV, but actually just staring into Straight the camera. Right into the camera. Which is the way it should be done. Flair doesn't care who wins, he says. And Razor says, we'll take the gold. Perfect says, you won't survive Survivor Series. We'll see about that. I can't believe this. you got a, a camera in Flair's dressing room. You bear looking on as the Warriors going down. I'm sure they're happy about this. I wonder, Mr. Flair, would you venture who will win the matchup? Do you care? Hey, it doesn't matter. We don't care. All we know is that if the Ultimate Maniacs make it out of here alive tonight, next week, they got to really learn how to survive. Hey, McMahon. Oye, mate, chico. We already proved if we want gold, we just take. The bottom line is, Ultimate Maniac, you may become champions tonight, but Survivor Series, you will not survive. My two men will see to it that somebody gets hurt. Ted DiBiase slaps the million dollar dream on Warrior, but Savage breaks it up. DiBiase and Warrior clothesline each other, but both men make the hot tag. Savage gets in the ring with IRS and cleans house, goes for the elbow drop, nails it, but DiBiase breaks the cover. Warrior and Savage just batter Money, Inc. and clear the ring. 
Then Money Inc. says, eh, let's just get the fuck out of here, you know? We weren't really feeling this tonight. And so Ted DiBiase and IRS just leave and get counted out. The quickest 10 count in the history of 10 counts. All right. And they are done. My bitch fest is about to start. You sprint wide fucking open to the ring. They're walking out on a title match. You get off your ass. You sprint back down the damn aisle way. You grab them. You bring them back. Right, yeah, very heroic baby faces here to just be like, oh, we'll take the win this yes. way, this is fine. Alright, bitch fest number two. There was so much fucking interference in this match by the unalleged tag partner. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the ref was just letting him he go. He was letting it go. and It, it was almost a tanda or a Texas tornado match. Yeah, really. it was, it was, yeah, it was just ridiculous. A, a tornado tag match. Yeah, it was just ridiculous the fact that I mean, because I think we had, what, three tags in the entire match, but yet it went 15 minutes, and all four men probably got the entire 15 minutes in ring work. Yeah, not, they, not standing on the corner. They never stopped. Not no. standing on the... I mean, it's a wild match, and it's enjoyable to watch. I'm just saying. Rules were extremely broken, and the referee took things very leniently. So... The Maniacs, after taking the win, decide then to run down Money, Inc. on the aisleway. Money, Inc., by the way, had to take baby steps so they wouldn't be back in the locker room by the time the Maniacs decided to run them down. They run them down, but uh uh-oh, it was all a setup as Razor, Flair, and Perfect come out and put the boots to the Ultimate Maniacs. Warrior, then, oh, so romantic here. Just like you would do for me in a fight. Warrior covers Macho Man so that he takes the the beating. I would do that for you. Yeah, so he takes the brunt of the stomps, and that's that. That is your one and only look at the Ultimate Maniacs. As uh, was it worth an action figure? Now I'm asking you this. No, okay. but <laughs> it's a cool. It's a it's a cool piece, but it's an interesting. It's like a footnote. It's, as it being a one match, and now watching this one match, was it worthy of an action figure? Just to say you have it, I guess. But <laughs> no one would understand. Like if you don't have the, was network, it worthy of an action figure though? So oh yeah, <laughs> they yeah Virgil has an action yeah, figure. Exactly. So exactly. Um. Sorry, but it just that was one that's been my clue about ever since we watched this match. I was like, they made like really detailed, awesome action figures for this one match of them this, <laughs> that this, ended in a small that in, yeah, this one match that went like what eleven minutes. Yeah, we, I mean, I think they even took a commercial during the match. Maybe, yeah, so yeah. Oh, now sadly, to my dismay, Patrick. They toss to a Bret Hart music video, but they cut it from the network. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it was the music video where he, uh, it's his song about there's never been a good time to say goodbye, to say goodbye. It's Bret Hart singing. Have you ever heard this? No. Oh, well, I'll, we'll play it for you. Okay, here in no, a little wait, just take yeah. right here. That's P- uh, Please pipe in, edit in the full three minutes. <laughs> I'm begging All 339 will lose a lot of uh, our 70 listeners will probably bail out. Please, please do it.
through some good and troubled times There's never been a right time to say goodbye But if I stay, she'll only see right through me And then that look of shame inside my eyes So I'd rather turn away Cause things you're gonna say will break her heart And make her cry There's never been a right time To say goodbye To say goodbye got some homework to go listen to the Bret Hart Never Been a Right Time to Say Goodbye song that apparently I think Linda McMahon had a hand in writing. Really? That's why it's that bad. Uh, See, I thought he only did the Start of Fire in Me, which I love the Start in Fire in Me. Well, he doesn't actually sing that No, but I love the video and the kid down the hallway and he's like, hey, Brett. And so then Brett walks up and gives him the sunglasses. I think that's a different, that's the new gen commercial you're thinking of no it's added in on novel no, yeah so anyway and then there was also they paired highlights of brett to aretha franklin's respect when really yeah so heading into wrestlemania 9 he wasn't getting the respect because he was you know beating jobbers left and right so they paired him with a aretha franklin video or mute respect yeah so he had three music videos total i guess 
We come back from the music video we didn't get to see, but we heard right here on Retro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Sean Michaels is in the ring, kissing his bicep. No Sherry, because she was taken out by a mirror. Marty Jannetty came back, reappeared as Sean was looking in the mirror, admiring himself. And uh, he moved out of the way, and Marty decked Sherry with the mirror, and she actually got glass in her eye. So really? Le- legitimately. So she was taken out. And uh, would not reappear until the Royal Rumble for their big match, finally. Years in the making, years after going through the barbershop window, Marty and Sean was going to happen. But whose side is Sherry on, Patrick? We'll have to was see. Was that later this, this year? That was Rumble. So January of 93 okay. is when they finally have their big match. But that angle happened in like... Early 92 or 91. So she got almost a full year, if not over a year, of a break. No, this had happened... The mirror spot had happened... She only got like three or four months off. I think the mirror thing was on like Superstars in like October or something. So it happened right before this, and then we got two weeks to that, and then... And then she... Shows up at Rumble. So then you go two months until Rumble and go, okay. So, so she got four or five months, you're up. Yeah, good for her. So Sean is in the ring kissing his bicep, much like Big Papa Pump would. Then Bulldog is out next in his braids. It's the 95 Rumble all over again here, as we have the finalists from last week. Sean is facing Brett at the Survivor Series with absolutely no build-up, no explanation. Just, that's the match that's happening. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So, Sean flips out of wrist locks and puts short-arm scissors on Bulldog. Bulldog's the IC champ, by the way. He is, from SummerSlam 92, Wembley Stadium, where, when he beat Brett. Bulldog deadlifts Sean out of the arm scissors and slams him. Big press slam and Bulldog clotheslines Sean out of the ring. Vince and Heenan then argue about the presidential election. Uh, Both the competitors get back in the ring, and Sean lays in some stiff elbow shots to Bulldog in the corner, but eats a shoulder block and gets thrown out of the ring. Sean tries to take the pad off the top buckle during the commercial break. It took him all commercial break, and he still couldn't get the pad off. Sean puts Davey in an abdominal stretch for ages, and then attacks Bulldog's back with closed fists and knees. Back to another abdominal stretch, but Davey powers out. We get the flare flip from Sean into a clothesline, and he gets catapulted into the buckle. Not the one that he had taken the pad off, though, luckily. Then we get a big delayed vertical suplex for a near fall from Davey. At this point, the pad has magically fallen off by itself. I think the ref helped. Davey goes into the buckle back first. Uh Uh-oh. So naturally, the man who just had his back rammed into the steel rod tries a superplex on Sean, but he just falls over. And Sean gets the pin, and the IC belt changes hands on TV, and Davey Boy Smith loses his SummerSlam title reign and sets up IC champ versus world champ at Survivor Series. So, goodbye, Bulldog. Thank you for your attendance. We'll see you again soon, but for right now, you need to go away. (laughs) And uh, Mean Gene is backstage with Flair, Perfect, and Razor Ramon. Flair puts over Sean versus Brett and says, no matter who wins, Big Daddy will be waiting. Some interesting new developments here on Saturday night's main event, Ric Flair, that could influence your future. Boy, and how? 
Look at it like this. Once again, the World Wrestling Federation Championship is the focal point of the WWF. You've got newly crowned Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels versus the WWF champ Bret Hart. Champion versus champion. Boys, remember this. Whichever one of you survives, the Big Daddy will be waiting. All right, Mr. Perfect. Speaking of champions, what's wrong, maniacs? Having a bad day? Having a bad time? <laughs> I remember prior to SummerSlam, these two egomaniacs tried to gel as a team. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Mr. Perfect. I recall at that time there was tremendous conjecture as to whose corner you were going to be in at SummerSlam. As a matter of fact, you and Ric Flair intentionally disrupted that entire extravaganza. Exactly. Now you know how easy it is to confuse these guys. The Maniacs, the name fits you right. You guys are way out there. <laughs> Razor Ramon, your thoughts. Hey, Kayate, man. Who cares about bad days, good days, summer slam? Let's talk about what just happened. Fighting in the street, fighting in the aisles, fighting in the ring. Razor Ramon don't care as long as he get to fight somebody. And maniacs, there's plenty more where that come from. Ric Flair, you are smiling. Get a wide angle on this! It's perfect! It's machismo! And it's an ancient boy! And at the Survivor Series, it's not about winning or losing. It's about making it out of that building in one piece. And boys, it's coming our Somebody's way. gonna get hurt! <laughs> Mr. Perfect laughs about Warrior and Macho's beatdown. Mean Gene then reminds him of what happened at SummerSlam, where, of course, their plan was foiled uh, against Macho Man. Razor says he doesn't care where he fights, and there's plenty more where that came from. He said Survivor Series isn't about winning or losing, it's about making it out in one piece. Okay. Thanks. Finally, main event time. That's right, main event already. Three matches... No, you know, I complain about filler a lot on TV. No filler tonight. Not a damn one. Not enough. Because <laughs> if I was only to watch this and watch the Survivor Series, I would still not know exactly why these people hate each other, why they're fighting. I really don't understand their motivations. Like, I get... They gave you a little bit of Flair and, and Macho Man's backstory. Mattel and... Or, uh, Rick the Model Mart uh, Martel and Tatanka... Would Nothing. Have, would have liked to, because that was a major event. Right, the feathers, the eagle feathers. Yeah, or or boss man and nails. Oh, that was a yeah, that was a long time coming. Nails have been looking for boss man for years. Yeah, so it would have been nice if they had piped in just like a video here, or, or even a, just shown a picture of yeah. these matches are happening as survivors. This is your network show. Yes, not everyone is watching superstars and. You're you're on your USA on stuff, time. yeah, yeah. This is time to advertise. Yes, and they failed to advertise. Yes. The one thing you have to do is sell your matches, and they didn't sell but two matches on this whole show. One didn't happen quite as we thought it would at the start of the show. So Papa Shango, Shango Tango is out next to sad kids' faces cut in the crowd, which was funny. Brett is with Mean Gene, R.I.P. Mean Gene explains how Brett ended up with the belt. Would have been nice to see some highlights from this as well. No, no time for that. Just, hey, you had a great weekend. You won that belt, huh? And he's like, yeah, I did. This is the first win or the second? 
This is his first ever world title win. And it fucking... Okay. Yeah. I did not... Well, and also Macho lost it on a house show. Yeah. But at least his was shown on Superstars. Brett's wasn't shown at all. Yeah. It's just, hey, nice belt. Where'd you get that from? Did you order it on eBay? Uh, I got it off WWFshop.com. It's his first TV defense. This re- this is the debut of world champion Bret Hart in a yeah. TV title match. And he's taking on Pop Shonga. Bret just puts Stu in the dungeon over to Mean Gene. He says winning and losing isn't important. Bullshit. He says it's all about learning. Bullshit. Papa Shango says he won't take away from his great accomplishment that he achieved. Gene sells the match as being really big and then tosses back. I am proud to have standing next to me the newly crowned World Wrestling Federation champion Brett the Hit Matt Hart, who recently made history in Saskatoon when he got the then-champ Ric Flair to say I quit with that painful leg lock known as the sharpshooter. And tonight, Bret Hart, your first network title defense here on Saturday night's main event against 300-pound-plus Papa Shango. You know, in a situation like this, all I have to do is think about my father. You know, my father was one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, and I come from a real big family. I got seven brothers. You know, and ever since I was like this tall, he's been taking all me and my brothers down in the basement, we got a little room down there, we call it the dungeon. There's a little wrestling mat down there, and he's taught us wrestling. He's taught us how to be tough. He's made us fight, and I learned hold after hold after hold, and I learned to never quit. And I took all that knowledge, and you know, it was my big dream to find myself in the World Wrestling Federation eight years ago. And before long, I worked hard enough, and I dug in, and I dedicated myself. I found myself co-holder of the tag team titles. And, you know, whether you win or lose isn't important, because you keep learning. You learn from every single match, and you learn from every single opponent. You know, it was a big dream for me to find myself the Intercontinental Champion. I never thought I'd get higher than that. But as I stand before you right now, I am the World Wrestling Federation Champion. This... This is a dream come true. And Papa Shango, Papa Shango, he's not going to take it away from me. So Brett comes down, kisses the belt, hands the glasses out as we would get used to. Charles Wright, Papa Shango, throws some punches. Hart counters with a monkey flip. Crossbody for a near fall from Hart, and he gets thrown out, but quickly gets back in. Clotheslines Papa Shango out. Hart hits a planche at a Shango, and we go to break. Heenan gets a gift, wants to unwrap it during the match, but Vince won't let him. Fonzie is the ref for this match for some reason. Glad you noted that, I did too. Bear hug to Brett who just decks Papa Shango in the head to escape. Shango then double chug throws Brett. Magna Claw to Brett Hart. Hart puts Shango in the sleeper, but Shango rams Hart's head into the post, drops a couple elbows, but doesn't understand wrestling and that you need to cover somebody for a win as he's a voodoo doctor. He doesn't understand wrestling. He goes for a second rope elbow but misses. A Russian leg sweep and back body drop from Hart for a near fall. A second rope clothesline. Charles Wright misses a hoe train, bounces off the buckle, gets stuck in the sharpshooter, and Voodoo Man gives up immediately. No big deal. Ding, ding, ding. Bret Hart retains in his first TV title defense. We get a replay with the brain scan, and he writes, Champ. As it's time for the real main event of the night, not your title match, but the no. funeral parlor. It's all right. Paul Bearer says Undertaker has been making a coffin for Kamala. Kamala is scared of coffins. Taker says Kamala will suffer the same fate 
as those that came before him, and maggots will feast on his carcass, and Taker will take his soul. Rest in peace. My goodness. For Kamala, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that my undertaker will defeat the Ugandan giant at the Survivor Series on Thanksgiving Eve. Then we all will be able to enjoy watching him stuff Kamala's battered corpse into the coffin for eternity. Oh yes, the coffin match. Everyone knows the fear that Kamala has for my undertaker. All you have to do is look into Kamala's eyes and you can see the fear of the darkness. See the fear of the unknown. See the fear of death itself. Oh, yes. And now, my friends, let's take a look into the eyes of the Grim Reaper. Let's take a look into the eyes of my undertaker. Yes! the journey that awaits you. There's been many unfortunate souls that have made this journey. And just like all the rest, you will suffer the same fate as the worms, the maggots, and the larvae take turns feasting on your rotting carcass. There will only be one thing left for me to take Kamala. And that is your soul. Rest in peace, Kamala. We follow that up with the real main event, a interview with Mean Gene and Bret Hart. Brett is in there, then Sean runs in on the interview, and Sean says he did exactly what he said he would. He beat Bulldog, the same guy that beat you at SummerSlam, Brett. So get ready, because I'm taking that belt. We are back with more Saturday Night's Man event. Joining me right now on the heels of a successful title defense, World Wrestling Federation Champion Brett the Hitman Hart. 
nailing that 300-pound plus Papa Shango. However, as you saw earlier tonight, some interesting developments that definitely will affect you at the Survivor Series. Intercontinental champion now, Shawn Michaels. That means it's going to be champion versus champion when he meets you Thanksgiving Eve. You know, he said... Intercontinental champion. Hey, he's not the man that came out here earlier tonight and made the promise that he would become the Intercontinental Champion. It was Shawn Michaels. He's not the man that came out here tonight and told everybody that at Survivor Series, I'm gonna take what you think is rightfully you. Hey, 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 guys, please. Why don't you not talk about it and do something about I it? I got news for you, Jack. I don't know how good your memory is. Do you know who I beat tonight? Do you remember who I beat tonight? Let me remind you a little bit, Hitman. It was the British Bulldog. You remember him, huh? Do you remember him? That's the same guy that humiliated you in front of 80,000 people. And I got news for you. That is nothing, nothing compared to what Shawn Michaels is going to do to you at Survivor Series. Get ready, because you're not going to have that. Hey, 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 you guys, save it. Come on, pal. I, for one, ladies and gentlemen, will not want to miss that one. Vince, let's get back to you. Gene then tosses to Vince. Heenan says he doesn't care about the gift anymore. Then he gets a phone call and says Savage and Warrior, won't, one of them won't be at Survivor Series. And immediately we go to black and that's the end of the show. Thank you very much, Mean Gene Arkelin. And now Bobby Heenan will open his gift. Would you get off the phone, please? Wait, we're, on, we're back on the air. You're not going to believe what I'm finding out right now. The scoop I have is going to shock the WWF. What? Just the moment. I didn't even care about that dumb gift. Yeah. Can I run this by me slowly again? Again, we certainly hope you've enjoyed the World Wrestling Federation's Savage presentation. And Warrior, wait, Savage and Warrior at Survivor Series will not go to the ring together as a team. What are you talking wait, wait. about? Which one? What kind of a rumor wait, wait, wait. is this? One of them will have a new partner for Survivor Series. You got to tell, tell me which one. I got to know now. A little side note there that back uh, when they cast back to him. I think that was taped later on. Green screen. I think it was. I really. They had to redo it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I really believe so. Which is why then Heenan had to answer the phone and they had to play it off like, oh shit. It's weird. He has an old timey phone up there, by the way, or corded phone. But anyway, so this was Saturday night's main event. What did you think of Saturday night's main event? It's very short. Short, but you know what? They it's a hell of a fucking show. They got right to it. They didn't fuck around. No jobber matches. No, not a single not jobber a single match. Because they knew they were in prime time on Fox. They did a terrible job of promoting their pay-per-view, though. They did a terrible job of promoting the undercard. I mean, it would have been nice to, yeah, have a Martell promo or... Like I said earlier, I usually complain, oh, there's too much filler on Raw. You know, it's too long. Three hours is too much. But in this 45 minutes, I'm like, there's not enough. I need, I need some substance. Like, why... Why is Sean the number one contender? Why do these guys dislike each other? They seem like they're about the same size. They do the same... Like, they're both great wrestlers who were in tag teams. Like They could have easily done also like a little video boss man training or something and saying I'm, I'm sending you back to where you belong oh yeah chains you, yeah you've been on you've been on the run too long or something like that kind of like he's running him down like a bounty hunter sending him back to Cobb County Georgia yeah nails yeah who accused by the way well we'll get to that anyway so 
just our review of Saturday night's main event, what would you give this show on our ratings of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez? Pop Shango, it's a really good match. It's a big, big match, which is a big man as well. Charles Wright, it's a big man. Yeah, I'm going to give this a British Bulldog because it was a really easy watch. Yeah. Every match had consequences to it, technically, with what they had to do. I hate that, yeah, there wasn't enough filler for me, but that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, if if Raw was more like this and got just right down to it, and, yeah. and if their TV was like, if Raw started out like this instead of the way Raw started out with those jobber matches and Max Moon and fucking from the outer regions of your mind, it's Damien Demento and all this stuff, like... That they should have taken a page out of Saturday Night's main event and realized that t- every TV, no matter how small you think it is, should be big. Every match should be big. Yeah. Make them title matches for the fuck up, you know, for the hell of it. Like, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, Papa Shango's not the number one contender, but tonight he is, just for the sake of it. Yeah. Let's give him a go. Let's see how it goes. So, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great episode. Me too. And, uh, but... They did fail to sell the pay-per-view. But they didn't fail to sell it to us, Patrick, because now we are going to review Survivor Series 1992. Yes. But that's in a separate episode. because we've this, all- is, this is cut in half, basically. So we just got done. This is episode one. Yes, I will now stop this recording. And we are going to proceed with episode part two. Yes. Survivor Series 1992, so if you want to tune into that, that that will be a different audio file. So, for episode 105 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast, I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo bango.